Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hi there. Happy Thursday. It's a promising one in Hollywood. Yeah, could the writer's strike finally be coming to an end? It is September 21st. This is Today. Signs of progress, a major breakthrough over the talks in the massive walkout that's halted production and TV shows and movies for months. Top studio executives now joining the negotiations with a new round set for today. We'll have the very latest. Chaos in Congress, lawmakers once again facing a deadline to avoid a government shutdown. With less than 10 days to go, can a deal be reached in time? And how will you be affected if they cannot? We're live on Capitol Hill. Urgent manhunt, a murder suspect on the run in Indiana after being accidentally let out of jail. This was an error. This should have not happened. This morning, the outrage over police waiting nearly a week to warn the public and the race to get that fugitive back behind bars. Fact or fiction, the Utah mother and children's book author charged in the fatal poisoning of her husband pushing back against allegations of witness tampering from behind bars. What she is now saying about the handwritten letter found in her jail cell and why prosecutors are not buying it. Those stories plus authors versus AI. Some of the world's most popular writers fighting back. My books have been taken and I didn't even know about it. I wasn't asked about it. Inside the legal battle over artificial intelligence that could shape the future of the industry. Today, the 21st day of September, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Good to see you. It's a Thursday morning. So glad you're with us. Oh, do you remember? I remember it was the 21st day of September. September. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First up, guys, we're starting off with some positive signs in Hollywood over the writer's strike. CNBC is reporting this morning that studios and writers are nearing an agreement to end this month's long walkout. Sources telling our sister network that the two sides met and hope to finalize a deal today. But they stress, of course, nothing is certain and adding if a deal isn't reached soon. Well, the strike could last through the end of the year. Yeah, NBC's Chloe Malas is joining us with these breaking details. Hey, Chloe, good morning. Good morning, Hoda and Savannah. That's right. It's been 142 days since the Writers Guild of America went on strike. And yesterday, those formal negotiations resumed after more than a month without any progress. Now, we are hearing that we can expect some new developments today. Could there finally be an end to the months-long writer's strike that's ground Hollywood to a halt? Both sides meeting again today, and this morning, there's new hope for progress after major studio heads came to the table for the first time Wednesday, signaling a significant shift in the talks. A source close to the negotiations telling NBC News that talks on Wednesday were productive and that they're hoping for more progress on Thursday. But there's hope in the air for the first time in a long time. 
Late Wednesday, the Writers Guild of America, which represents more than 11,000 writers, issued a joint statement with the AMPTP, which represents streaming services and studios, including Comcast, the parent company of NBC Universal, saying simply that both sides met for bargaining and will meet again Thursday. But sources close to the negotiations tell CNBC that after Wednesday's meetings, writers and producers are near an agreement and hope to finalize a deal today. The source is also telling CNBC that if a deal is not reached, the strike could last through the end of the year. NBC News learning that top executives attended the negotiations for the first time, including Disney's Bob Iger, Netflix's Ted Sarandos, Discovery's David Zaslav, and NBC Universal's Donna Langley. Those talks are usually led by labor relations representatives and top AMPTP staffers. Um, so I'm really hoping that they're really coming in good faith. Online skepticism from some WGA members. One posting, I'll believe it when the WGA tells me they've reached a deal. The main sticking points between the two groups remain wage increases, residuals in the streaming era, and the use of artificial intelligence. This has been devastating as a WGA writer on strike. The effects felt by hundreds of thousands as Hollywood has been shut down, with actors also on strike in a separate dispute. Now, from the picket lines to A-listers, many urging both sides to move forward. I feel as if everybody understands that it's time to get on with it. But we're all in support of, uh, of uh, a decent and fair wage. It was surprising to see that all the studio heads from all these different places gathered together. How do you think that came to be? Because they have to make yeah. a deal. Uh, it has been 142 days and people are running out of money. Some people already long surpassed, have already dipped into their 401ks, their savings. You know, the last time that these studio heads got together was an informal meeting in August at a hotel where they were potentially going to broker these one-off deals. You know, Netflix and uh, our own parent company, NBC Universal and everyone, they all have different bottom lines. So David Zaslov at Warner Brothers Discovery mm-hmm. is obviously going to probably have some different interests and, you know, what Netflix is wanting. But the the thing that's so interesting is that they're all in a room together trying to make this happen and have one uniform deal. And then hopefully if we see a deal happen this week, then we will see SAG-AFTRA that represents over 100,000 writers follow suit. But again, just, you know, if there is a deal made, it doesn't mean that things just snap back to normal. Yeah. This is, you know, to get these shows and everything back up and running, it's going to take months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chloe, thank you so signs much. signs of progress. Yes. Yeah, I haven't yes, seen that in a while. Other news now, Ukraine's president's heading to Washington today after delivering that high-stakes address to the U.N. General Assembly. He plans to lobby lawmakers and the president for more help in the counteroffensive against Russia. NBC's senior White House correspondent Gabe Gutierrez joins us with more. So, Gabe, what are we expecting? Uh, hey there, Savannah. Good morning. Ukrainian President Zelensky will be here at the White House later today alongside President Biden, who's expected to announce more security aid as part of a previously passed package. He'll also head to the Pentagon and Capitol Hill, where Zelensky will meet with lawmakers. He's trying to convince some Republicans who are skeptical of passing the $24 billion in new aid that the White House is asking for. But we're already seeing pushback this morning. A new Republican letter from 23 House members and six senators rejecting that proposal. Meanwhile, overnight, Russia launched major attacks, striking at least five cities across Ukraine. It comes after Zelensky called the invasion a criminal and unprovoked aggression at the U.N. Security Council, Savannah. And meanwhile, big story, especially here in New York, the Biden administration 
has decided to implement some new rules for hundreds of thousands of migrants. We've seen these record border crossings. We see it coming now to the, the northeastern cities, getting a lot of complaints from mayors like Mayor Adams here in New York to the White House. So walk us through what's happened here. Yeah, that's right, Savannah. And there's also new developments at the border. The small border town of Eagle Pass, Texas, has declared a state of emergency after more than 4,000 migrants arrived in the last two days, overwhelming the city of nearly 30,000 people. The mayor there is scrambling, saying facilities are strained and migrants are having to be released onto the streets. It's part of a recent rise in overall border crossings that hasn't been seen in months. And meanwhile, as you mentioned, the Biden administration announcing overnight new rules allowing hundreds of thousands of Venezuelan migrants who have arrived in the country before July 31st to live and work here legally for 18 months and temporarily protect them from deportation. That follows pressure from New York officials for them to be able to work and move them off of social services, which has also been overwhelmed. But these latest developments are sure to be cited by Republicans who argue that the president's border policies are not working, Savannah. All right, Gabe Gutierrez at the White House for us. Thanks, Gabe. Another major story out of Washington, the looming threat of a government shutdown. Lawmakers are scrambling with just nine days left now to pass new funding legislation. NBC's senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake joins us now. He's got the very latest. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, Oda, good morning. Yeah, House Republicans met for more than two hours last night trying to come up with an agreement just among themselves on a path to keep the government open. Now the speaker says they may have a plan, but the clock is ticking and the votes are not assured. This morning, chaos in Congress as the government lurches towards a possible shutdown amid a battle over spending with no clear end in sight. Nobody should be leaving town until we've sorted this out. The federal government runs out of money at the end of September. Without congressional action, it shuts down on October 1st for the first time since 2019. Look, it's not September 30th. The game is not over, so we continue to work through it. And uh, I've been at this place many times before, and we're going to solve this problem. Democrats and some Republicans have argued for a stopgap plan to buy more time to pass bills to fund the government through 2024. But House Republicans backing away from a deal struck with President Biden earlier this year are demanding steep spending cuts of roughly $300 billion, slashing budgets including education, nutrition, and environmental programs. But this week, they have struggled to pass anything at all. The stalemate frustrating even House Republicans. What do you say to people back home who may not follow this that closely, but just expect you guys to get this very basic function of your job done and fund the government? We're dysfunctional. It's just that simple. That's simple. We are that we are so dysfunctional. A government shutdown would force hundreds of thousands of federal workers to be furloughed or to work without pay until the shutdown ends. National parks would be closed and government services like food safety inspections, passport applications and small business loans would be slowed. Democrats and President Biden hoping to lay the blame for any shutdown at the GOP's feet. They're back at it again breaking their commitment, threatening threatening more cuts and threatening to shut down government again this month. Now, the House plans to work a rare Saturday session to see if they can find some way to break this logjam. The Senate has been handling its work on a bipartisan basis, but they stumbled late this week, too. So next week is shaping up to be a very busy week on Capitol Hill.
Hold right, you'll keep your eye on it. Garrett Hake for us here at the Capitol. Garrett, thank you. Today marks day seven of the United Auto Workers strike. It was just over 24 hours until the union's threat to expand that strike. More pain is rippling through the industry. Two of the nation's big three car makers announcing thousands of layoffs now. And this morning, a fourth is being hit with walkouts. NBC's Maggie Vespa on the story. She's at a picket line in Toledo this morning. So let's start with those layoffs, Maggie. What do you know? Yes, yeah, so Savannah, basically a tough morning for so many families and automakers unequivocally blaming the strike. First, it was Stellantis who laid off a combined 350 non-striking employees from a plant here in Ohio and two in Indiana. And then it was GM who announced they're temporarily closing an assembly plant in Kansas immediately and indefinitely, sending home close to 2,000 non-striking employees there. In a statement, GM saying this is, quote, a negative ripple effect of the strike and pointing out that that plant gets parts. There's that support this morning, gets parts from a plant that's currently shut down by the strike. In the face of all of this, the UAW holding strong to its demands against the big three, including Ford, and sticking to that noon deadline tomorrow, saying if they don't see serious progress, more workers will walk out of more sites. But in a possible glimmer of hope, they also say... They've gotten a new offer from Stellantis. They're not revealing details of what exactly is in that offer, but it's just proof, Savannah, that as we knew, these talks are continuing. And, and Maggie, there's word of a new strike, this time by auto workers in Alabama. What's the latest there? Yeah, so we should point out this is a different dispute, a different contract, but UAW tweeting, quote, auto workers across the country are on the move. This time we are talking about close to 200 UAW members in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, walking out against a company called ZF, which is a supplier for Mercedes Benz. Uh, a lot of the demands in this one kind of mirroring the strike that we're seeing in the big three. They're talking about pay disputes and wanting to get rid of pay tiers. ZF telling us in a statement that they are committed to continuing these talks in good faith. And Mercedes Benz just saying that they are monitoring that situation. Savannah. All right, Maggie, with all the latest headlines there. Thank you. 713, a lot more to get to. Welcome, Craig, to the table. Hi, Hi Craig. Hello, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. A massive manhunt is unfolding in Indiana this morning. For murder suspect, mistakenly released from jail because of a clerical error just two days after his arrest. An internal investigation is now underway as police are turning to the public for information that could lead to, to his recapture. NBC's Kathy Park is in Indianapolis for us. Kathy, what happened? Hey, Craig, good morning to you. Well, the suspect is Kevin Mason, and he walked out of this jail behind me last Wednesday. It took officials nearly a week to notify the public about his release, and they say the extra time was really part of a strategy to locate him. But this morning, he's still on the loose, and his girlfriend is now in custody. This morning, an urgent manhunt in Indiana for a murder suspect authorities say was accidentally set free from jail. Our plan is to... Uh, look throughout the city with this uniform presence and make it uncomfortable for anybody who might be keeping him. The Marion County Sheriff's Office's 28-year-old Kevin Mason was mistakenly released last Wednesday, just two days after his arrest, due to faulty records review. So far, two inmate records clerks involved in this mistake have been terminated. This was an error. This should have not happened. Mason was wanted on three warrants in Minnesota, including a second-degree murder charge for his alleged role in a shooting in 2021, firearms possession, and a parole violation. And now deputies say they've arrested his girlfriend, Desiree Oliver, 
who they say picked him up after he walked out of jail. She then uh, went to obtain a new cell phone, which is kind of the deceptive type of behavior we'd expect somebody when they're assisting a criminal. Uh, later, she went to a Walmart up there on North Keystone, purchased some men's underwear, a travel kit, and some men's slippers. Local officials waited six days to inform the public about Mason's accidental release, a decision the sheriff's office stands by. We have used this time as a tactical advantage for us. Uh, we have used this time as uh, uh, the quietness of the situation to not uh, further run him underground. This latest search comes just days after the capture of Danilo Cavalcante, the convicted killer who was arrested following nearly two weeks on the run after escaping a Pennsylvania County jail. Back in Indiana, another community on edge with residents demanding answers. Someone made a big mistake. It upsets me that it puts the community in danger. Now, we should point out that officials have been chasing leads overnight, and they do believe that the suspect has ties to Indianapolis, but it's still unclear if he's still here. They're also reminding him that he can still turn himself in. They can arrange for a safe surrender. Craig? All right. Kathy Park for us there in Indianapolis. Kathy, keep us posted. Thank you. Okay, let's turn to the weather. Al is enjoying some time off. Dylan, we're enjoying having you here. Well, Morning. thank you very Dylan. much. I enjoy being here. Uh, wish I didn't have to give you such bad forecast for the weekend, but we are watching a storm system off the southeast coast. Now, there's a 40% chance that this disturbance here could develop into a subtropical system. Now, what this means is it's not really set up like a regular tropical system, but it still has the potential to produce really heavy rain and really gusty winds too. So this is going to kind of meander off the coast through the day today and then push westward as we go into tomorrow. So that means heavy rain is expected, especially out towards the Outer Banks in North Carolina. It moves up into Virginia by Friday night. We'll see some heavy rain, especially along the coast. Winds get gusty too. And then on Saturday from Delaware to Maryland, up across the D.C. area through New Jersey, Pennsylvania, then eventually moving up into New England. This is just going to ride right along the coastline through Saturday and then kind of linger into Sunday, perhaps even into Monday morning. So again, it's not just the really heavy rain, but it's also the wind gusts along the East Coast. We could see gusts up to 35 to 45 miles per hour. So it's going to be real nasty going into Friday and Saturday. And we could see up to six inches, especially down across the Carolinas into Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic too. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you so much. Coming up, was it witness tampering or a work of fiction? What the Utah mom and author accused in the fatal poisoning of her husband is now saying about that handwritten letter that was found in her jail cell. Also this morning, Stephanie Gosk is here with a new wrinkle in the battle over artificial intelligence. Got some popular authors fighting back, and Steph, they're suing. Yeah, they are suing. In the words of best-selling crime author Michael Connolly, they are being ripped off. We'll tell you why these authors say AI is stealing their intellectual property. Coming up. All right, Stephanie, we'll look forward to that. But first, on a Thursday morning, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 7 30 we are counting down 24 hours and counting till our next big mm-hmm. concert on the plaza why have us say the name of its star Guys, when Steve Carell oh. says it so well. No, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Clarkson, yes. Never gets old. It doesn't. Never it gets really old. Doesn't. I love that scene. Anything oh. to play that clip. Um, but yes, she will be here tomorrow. She she's going to bring it. Heck of a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a busy half hour, starting with some new developments in that case we've been following for months now. The Utah mother and children's book author charged with fatally poisoning her husband. Yeah, she's been accused now of witness tampering after a prison guard found a suspicious letter in her jail cell. Well, now she is addressing that discovery. NBC's Erin McLaughlin joins us now with details. Hey, Erin, good morning. Guys, good morning. While the prosecution claims that handwritten letter contained instructions for her family and friends and was an attempt at witness tampering, Corey Richens now says that detailed note was for a fictional story about her time in a Mexican prison. This morning, the woman known for writing a children's book on grief. My husband passed away unexpectedly last year. Now accused of spinning a very different tale. Corey Richens, the mother of three accused of killing her husband Eric with a lethal dose of fentanyl, says this jailhouse letter is actually an excerpt from a fictional mystery book she's been writing in prison. That according to the latest documents filed by the prosecution. The drama began on September 14th after guards found a six-page handwritten letter inside Richens' jail cell in which prosecutors allege Richens attempts to direct her family to spin a false narrative about her husband's drug use, telling them, bring me home. The DA calling the letter evidence of witness tampering. This morning, the prosecution doubling down on that allegation and raising even more questions. Its latest filing includes a partial transcript of a jailhouse phone call between Richens and her mom, Lisa Darden, where they say Richens tries to explain the letter. According to the filing, Richens telling her mother, when I first got in here, I was telling you how I was writing a book. Those papers were not a letter to you guys. They were part of my freaking book. Adding that in the fictional story, I go to Mexico and I'm like trying to find these drugs. Defendants who are incarcerated and know their calls are being recorded try to help their case by spinning part of the narrative. Complicating the narrative, in an interview with the Daily Mail, Richen's mom seemingly echoed talking points also found in the letter, saying, I know two occasions Eric bought drugs in another country and put the stuff in Corey's bag. Although it's unclear whether her mother ever saw the letter or some other version. 
The defense is arguing the letter qualifies as attorney-client privilege and its disclosure violates the gag order. But prosecutors are pointing to the jailhouse phone call between Richens and her mother to counter that argument. NBC News reached out to her attorney for comment, as well as her mom, Lisa Darden, but is yet to hear back. All right, Erin McLaughlin, thank you. And we've got a programming note. Dateline NBC will have an in-depth report on this case. It'll be tomorrow night, 10, 9 central, right here on NBC. In the meantime, a new battle is brewing this morning over artificial intelligence. A group of best-selling authors, including John Grisham, Michael Connolly, and Jody Picot, have filed a class action lawsuit against OpenAI, the maker of ChatGPT. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here to explain. Hi, Steph. Good morning. Steph. Hey, guys. Good morning. This could be a big deal. This is an issue that people in so many different professions are worried about, and particularly the creative community. So many have raised concerns. Concerns, including comedians, actors, and most recently, writers. That's because artificial intelligence relies on content that was originally created by people. And now some of the most famous authors in the world are suing, saying they're victims of what they call systematic theft on a mass scale. My books have been taken and I didn't even know about it. I wasn't asked about it. I didn't approve it. Best-selling author Michael Connolly, whose novels have been made into films like The Lincoln Lawyer and TV series Bosch, says he and thousands of other writers have been ripped off. There's no denying AI. It's going to be in our future. What is a structure that makes sense for, for authors? I think it's about consent. Our books were just fed into the big maw of AI. Now Connolly and dozens of other authors are suing OpenAI, the maker of ChatGPT, for mass copyright infringement, a legal action that could have implications for the broader pop culture. According to the suit, ChatGPT has already been used to create complete unauthorized versions of books by a number of authors, including George R.R. R. Martin, creator of the novels which Game of Thrones was based on, and who is also part of the lawsuit. It's just not fair. Why should I take a year to write a, you know, a 400-page novel if in 15 minutes it can be stolen and, and redistributed. Other writers in the suit include John Grisham, author of legal thrillers like The Pelican Brief, and romance superstar Ellen Hildebrand, author of The Perfect Couple. AI systems rely on something called large language models. Those models are, quote, trained using massive amounts of text. OpenAI doesn't publicly say where it gets all of the material it has fed into the system. But according to the suit, at least some of it is copyrighted. The reason they can write so well is because they've ingested hundreds and thousands of books and they've done this without permission, <laughs> without payment. In a statement to NBC News on the latest lawsuit, OpenAI says it is working with authors to discuss their concerns, writing, we respect the rights of writers and authors and believe they should benefit from AI technology. In response to a previous similar lawsuit, OpenAI argued the case be dismissed in part because courts have recognized that the use of copyrighted materials by innovators in transformative ways does not violate copyright. Connolly and the other writers say they don't buy it, arguing AI threatens not only novelists, but creative work of all kinds. I think it's just a threat to the to the spark of creativity. I think there's something mystical and magical about it. And if you believe that, like I do, you also believe it could go away. Is there any money to be made for people mm -hmm. who do these AI books? Well, they are being sold. Where, you may ask? Uh, Amazon. Uh -huh. And 
authors got upset that these derivative works were showing up on Amazon, Mm -hmm. went to Amazon, and now Amazon says if you were going to self-publish something and sell it on Amazon and you have used AI, you have to let buyers know that you have. You've got to disclose it. Exactly. This is probably just the beginning. And a hard thing to police, I would think. Well, all of this is hard to police, right? They're trying to rein in AI, but the genie is out of the bottle, guys. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Okay. Thank you, Steph. Thank you, Stephanie. Coming up here on a Thursday morning, an inside look at game-changing new research that could help us feel healthier and live longer. And it all starts with these little mice right there that you see there. And it's something that's found in all of us, folks. They are called zombie cells. That's what they're called. All right. But first, Vicki, she's got a few tricks up her sleeve. Going to save us some money for our Halloween treats. Hey, Vic. Hey, good morning, Hoda, Savannah, Craig. Look, the leaves are barely changing colors, but Halloween shopping is well underway. Why it's expected to be a record spending year and some easy ways you can still save money and have a beautiful holiday. That's next right here on Today. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Great pumpkin yes. chocolate yes. one of the best ever. It's one of our favorite ho- holidays too, Halloween. Love it. And when it comes to spending, Americans are expected to break a record this year. So, how can you avoid that scary situation for your wallet? Or yeah. And this is Vicky Wynn joins us with some some tips. You've got some ideas. Hi, good morning to you all. Gosh, can you believe we're already spending? Halloween is more than a month away, but experts say start your shopping now. Everything from candy and costumes to decorations is expected to cost more this year. But with a little planning, you don't have to pull any tricks to get some cheap treats. It's not yet fall, but Halloween plans are revving up, and so are the shoppers. A new report from the National Retail Federation says nearly half of consumers plan to buy before October. One of the biggest ways consumers can save money this Halloween is by getting an early start. Our spooky spending is expected to hit $12.2 billion this year, a new record. Part of the reason for the hike in spending, inflation. Candy prices are up 9.4%. And more Americans say they're going to participate in Halloween this year. Some 73% of people say they're going to do something. That's up 5% from last year, with the average person spending about $108. Most of it on costumes. 
Total spending on costumes for adults, children, and pets is expected to reach over $4 billion this year. What are some ways consumers can save money? Consumers are thinking about prices right now. Start figuring out what you need so that you can pick up items when they're at the best price for you. Subscribe to your favorite retailers um, ads or follow them on social media or follow them through their app. But you can also save right at home. I mean, this whole thing is like entertaining under $30. Maureen Petrosky is a lifestyle expert who says she shops her own closet. Now, I could make this costume something very 80s by adding a little eyeliner and some teased hair. Or I can simply add to it a mask like or a headband like I have here. And check your kids' closets, too. My son plays football, so grab the football helmet, a varsity jacket, maybe a cheerleading uniform, things that you might already have in the house that dress you up without spending a dime. If you want a specific costume, buy early before stock runs out. For kids, the most sought-after looks include Spider-Man, a witch, and Mario. For adults, Barbie, Batman, and a vampire. And the most popular costume for pets, pumpkins, bats, and hot dogs. Moose, you're a hot dog. For candy, shop early from bulk stores like Sam's Club or Costco. And for decorations, get creative at your local discount or dollar store. These are branches from my backyard that I simply spray paint it black. I love black spray paint. It's an inexpensive way to make anything spooky. <laughs> and you can also look for costume swaps in your community on Facebook Marketplace or next door. That's a great way to get a fresh look without spending any money. And it's more sustainable to reuse those costumes. One of my favorite hacks, Craig calls it lazy. I think it's clever. You go on the internet, you look for a wordplay costume, like identity thief. That could be your normal clothes. You just put some name tags on your shirt <laughs> or smarty pants, tape some smarties candies onto your jeans. Boom, done, costume I solved. I saw one guy who dressed up as a blind date. He had a hefty bag tied around his neck, stuffed it with paper, put on glasses and had like a walking stick. And That's I said, what, what are you? About. He said, I'm a blind date. I was like, <laughs> God, it's that's so easy. That's pretty clever. Yeah. That's Under pretty the clever. Sink. You yeah. got it. Done. Yeah. Done and like done. It. Have you picked out your costumes for this year yet? <laughs> Did you see? I was in my 11-year-old's scarecrow costume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Halloween's for kids for yeah. me. But I'm looking forward to the Today Show Halloween. Yes. Oh, be good. Exactly. <laughs> so are we. Thanks, Vicky. Thank you, yeah. Vicky. Let's head over to Dylan, get the forecast. I did get my costumes in August just because I knew like the sizes <laughs> weren't going to be around anymore Real for the kids. Good. I'm shocked. So. Wow. I'm oh, shocked, impressive. too. I was actually just like totally on it this year. Mm -hmm. um, and we've worn them several times already. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, we've got a severe threat of storms in two spots today, one across uh, the Nebraska area and then one down through Oklahoma <sighs> and into Texas. We could see some large hail, softball, baseball sized hail, not out of the question. Wind gusts up to about 60 miles per hour, too. But isolated storms will pop up. Then tomorrow it kind of joins those areas and we're still looking across the central plains to see those uh, possibly damaging wind gusts and also the large hail too. Something to keep an eye out for. Temperatures are still well above average. We're running about 10 to 15 degrees still above average across the upper Midwest. Minneapolis 82 today. Omaha, Nebraska 82, 79 in Detroit. That's nearly 10 degrees above average. Tomorrow stays nice and mild, although it cools off a touch. We'll see those high temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. And then as we go into the weekend, we'll stay in the 70s. 70s in Chicago looks beautiful. Cleveland, lower 70s. Up in the Boston area, we do have that rainy day expected for Saturday and Sunday. So temperatures only in the 60s going into the weekend. And that's your latest forecast. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan. Thank you very much. Still ahead, more confusion and questions for Ticketmaster. This time over the rollout for Olivia oh, Rodrigo's yeah. big tour. Carson's going to break it all down for us, and we'll get to that. Guys, the NSYNC reunion, it is heating mm. up with the beloved boy band visiting Hot Ones. We'll have a sneak peek when Carson joins us for Pop Start.
Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com.